Hello everyone, this is Barbara Wickman and I am so glad that you joined us today. You know, stories are the basis of our lives. Every moment, every day creates a story. And some of those moments have the capacity to create stories that stay with us for a lifetime. In today's environment, we are seeing stories created every moment by things that are happening throughout the world. Some of these stories make us sad. Some stories create anger. Many stories are creating movements. Yet in other cases, stories, well, they make us smile and they bring us joy and they allow us to see the beauty of the human spirit. What we do know is that everyone has a story. You have a story. You have a story of something that has molded you, defined you, created values or beliefs within you. Everybody has these stories. Even when they say, I don't have a story. There's nothing interesting about me. But if you stop and you listen, everyone has a story. And the ability to share those stories, well, some people never feel like they can share their story. For some, the stories are just too hard. For others, they think that maybe, well, you know, no one's gonna care. But some of these stories, when you hear them, they change lives. They also allow the storyteller to be connected to other people around them. Stories, they make up our lives. You know, we meet people and we see how they look and we hear how they speak and we start to make assessments about them. Some true, some not so true. Sometimes we have aversions to people and we think, wow, I just don't really like that person. I don't know why. Or you may be drawn to that person and like them. And then as we get to know them a little bit better, we hear their stories. And all of a sudden that dislike, it may turn into respect. Sometimes that likability turns into, well, maybe I don't like them quite as much. Sometimes their stories make you connect to them even further in ways you had never even expected. The truth of the matter is, everyone has a story. And if you care to listen, you might be surprised about what you learn, about not only them, but about you as well. Today, the guest on our program is Rachna Prasad. Rachna, she started talking to the women on the corner of the street, who were all standing there together, waiting to get their children on the bus in the morning. And she started to ask them simple questions about a locket, about something she noticed in them every day. She's taken those moments of interest in the women on the corner of the bus stop, and along with her partners, they have created an amazing opportunity for not only people to share their stories, but for others to listen. We all like to listen to stories. That's why we go and listen to all the things happening on YouTube. That's why we watch stories on Facebook and on different social media channels. Today, I am delighted to share with you the interview with Rachna Prasad. Rachna knows stories. Her heart is huge. Her interest in others is incredible. Welcome to Rachna. 
Rachna, hello, how are you? Hi, how are you? I am just really excited to have you on the program today because, you know, one of the things I know about you is that you are this immensely positive person uh, with a gentle heart and a warm soul um, and love like flowing from you. So I just think that you are one of the most important people that we can have on the program um, to help spread some kindness and love and inspiration today. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So you, we met, we were introduced, you know, from a mutual friend. And when I met you, I didn't realize that there was this really cool, um, inspiring, um, it's not an event, but it's this long standing program called the People Tree, of which you are a co-founder for. So can you tell us a little bit about what the People Tree is? Certainly, it's a live storytelling show. We have eight people who come on stage and they share a six to eight minute story from their lives. And we have a theme every single month, a different theme that helps sort of collect the stories together, and kind of inspires people to, to think about their lives through these different themes. And the themes are usually really, really broad. It could be anything from choices to a first day. And, and I think it gives people a chance to sort of see their life a little bit differently, see sure. the stories that really make up our lives. And there's so many of them and we all have them. So how did you and your co-founders come up with this idea? What prodded you to make this come to life? So I think about, yes, five years ago it's been, we were, uh, it's a little bit of a sad story. My uh, you know, my kids were young. They were in elementary school. And usually what happens is the moms all gather after school while the kids play and we all chat about our weekends. We have our little coffee if it's cold and we all talk to each other and you see the same people over and over again and you feel like you've built relationships. But what happened was one of the moms committed suicide and it was a mom that we saw all of the time and we saw our soccer games and practices. And when it came down to it, it kind of was kind of um, the harsh reality is we really didn't know each other. We really didn't know what was going on in each other's lives. And when something like that happened, I'd already been sort of thinking about how I was reading health studies about how women uh, were different from that in many different ways. And one of the ways I think that we um, are special, one of the many ways is that we collect energy from each other and women coming together help each other through tough times through whether it's through food through conversation through advice and it really reminded me of that what it reminded me of a story that i'd heard earlier it, i used to work for a not-for-profit and we used to donate money to to india and there was this one little village that the swedish company had come in and given them money to build a well, a tube well into that village. Because the women, every single day, were walking three kilometers back and forth twice a day. So you know, 12 kilometers every single day to get water. So we gave them a solution. And when the company went back a couple of years later, it was a company that we were um, sponsoring to, to sort of monitor the work. And they came back and they shared the story, which was in the village, they came in. Yes, the well was there. The money was spent you know, appropriately. But they would see the women walking to the well and then around the well and keep going straight to the river that they used to go to. Oh. And it's, and you know, they asked and the women were just kind of shy and didn't really say much. And then one of the women the next morning asked, you know, 
kind of cornered one of the one of the village women and said, "What's going on here? There's water right there. Mm. Why would you do this?" And she said, "You know, it's our time. It's when we leave the village, we leave the men, we leave the children, and we walk together to the well. We talk about our husbands, we talk about our children, we talk about problems, and it's our time, and we need that time." And they were willing to sacrifice. Convenience for that need that's so basic in so many of us, and we've gotten we've you know we've stepped away from that as women. We don't do the pie making and the pierogi making and yeah. the quilting bees that we used to. Yeah. So I think with that in mind, I thought, well, why don't we do something more modern? Sure. And I had the women in my neighborhood. There was a few of them that I didn't know very well, but you know how it is. Sometimes you see someone and you're just curious. Yeah. You know this. So I invited six to eight of them into my home and said, we're going to talk. And the theme was, and I remember this, was first days. And it was a first day of a, of a job or school or a wedding, anything, a marriage. And everyone has that story. And we sat around my family room, you know, with a cocktail and a little appetizer. And everyone got three minutes. And the quietest people in the room took those three minutes and they shared and they shared from their heart. And it was such a gift. It was such a gift that they were giving to the rest of the group. And I think it was transformative. And I think that led to a quote that I saw somewhere saying, uh, and it, it was, I think, in ancient Sanskrit, but the quote basically was, come listen to my story, and at the end, we'll both be different people. Wow. And I think it's true. So we started with that in our home. We did that for, and then people took turns hosting. Sure. We did that for about a year and a half. And then a few of us got into a van and drove into the city to watch a, um, a show, a live storytelling show. And it was the middle of the week and we hit rush hour and it took us about, I think all said and told, took about three hours plus round trip, plus parking. Yeah. And we said, you know what? We need to have that on a local level. We need this everywhere. There's diversity. Diversity isn't... Um, black and white and it's not colors and it's not religion it's everything it's diversity in who we are in our experiences in the way we think there's so much diversity and naperville has that in spades and i think every community has that and so bringing that into our group and learning about each other it sort of fostered questions it fostered some empathy which we don't often get to have unless you hear someone's story yeah. And you understand, and then you're able to have that conversation and ask them why this happened or why they made those choices. And with that, we decided we were going to create a larger show before it was just women. And we decided, let's bring the men into this too. Let's have their <laughs> stories. Yeah. And we started off small. We were um, at a little like room above a bar and we had about 80 or 90 people that first show which was pretty amazing lot. but it was it was a lot of friends and family who were willing to support us so the real trick was will they come back the second month and they did and we went to a larger space and a larger space and now we're at about 230 people every month which were which is our capacity wow and we're happy that's amazing you know as you talk about that that human connection i really just hear you talk about that human connection which is so important and the ability to build relationships really means, um, you know, knowing people at such a different level. And with everything going on, when you have something like the people tree, it helps bring this um, reality and love and stories to move us. 
Um, how do you find that people do that on a daily basis with all the busyness that we have going on in our lives? How do you find that happening like on a Tuesday or Wednesday morning or a Thursday afternoon? I think we find a way, whether it's through social media, we find a way because we, we all need to connect. Even when we're all quarantined, as we all are right now, mm-hmm. we're finding people are talking, they're sharing their stories, it's taking walks, your social distance, but people are waiting. Yesterday, my husband and I were sitting, at, sitting in our driveway and people would walk by with their dog and you'd have a quick conversation, you know, like 10 feet apart, but you're still connecting, you're still talking. And I'm seeing that happening throughout all of our neighborhoods on a nice warm day. Everyone's outside, granted we still keep our distance, but we need to have that connection. And whether it's just saying, hey, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Older neighbors, can I get you something? We're dropping off cases of water, whatever it is for for other people. And these are people I haven't really spoken to in a very long time, but I'm doing it and hundreds, thousands of other people are doing it because it's, you know, when you're the most vulnerable, that's when it comes down to the basics. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're, we're realizing that now it's talking, even though we could all be at home watching our Netflix and Hulu, people are choosing to spend time learning how to play games, to yeah. cooking with their kids. Yeah. Uh, they're not just zombieing out there. They're connecting with whoever is around them. Right. Well, and I agree. I and mean, one thing that I've seen in the neighborhood too is that I'll be walking my dogs and someone will step out of their house and just yell, hi. <laughs> like there's such that like, people just want to connect. And, and it's almost going back to the old fashioned days. Well, in my, my neighborhood growing up is people used to sit outside in lawn chairs, you know, <laughs> in the driveway or under the front porch and people would stop by and chat, which never happens here. And now when someone knocks on your door, you're like, what's wrong? Why are you here? Um, where that used to be really common to just drop by and say hello to people, but you feel like you need to make an appointment or let them know you're coming. So it's a whole different experience. So what do you think the impact is going to be um, now that we've gone through or we're in the middle of this um, pandemic and we're changing and now we're um, making more effort to connect with others on a more simple level? Do you think this will continue or how do you think it will continue? Or What's your thoughts on that? You know, it, of course, my hope is it continues. And I think there's going to be some beautiful things that come out of this experience. It, besides the change in mindset, I think a lot of people have unleashed some of their creativity and they're willing to try different things. They're playing around. I'm just seeing, hearing a lot of buzz of people trying, trying out new ideas, things that they want to do. The show that you're doing, I know you've had it in your heart for a long time. And why wait? Let's do it. Let's try it. And I think, I think that's a beautiful thing that's coming out of this. And maybe there's a little bit of reflection of how fragile life is, how your life can turn upside down so quickly. And you need to make, you know, make, take those chances, make, you know, create those opportunities. They don't always come along and, you know, just the beauty of it all. And I, I think maybe even seeing each other, the fragility of humanity, the fragility of, of life, and maybe seeing a little bit respecting what we see in each other, that we're all, we're all in this together, yeah, globally and just yeah. per se. I think that's the biggest difference is that we all are in this together <clears throat> and boundaries don't matter. I remember um, there's a really interesting um, um, experience that astronauts have. 
when they're in space and when they're looking down on the earth and they said, as we're flying over countries, what you have this realization that borders mean nothing, that these imaginary lines that we put in place and the, the reason we have passports and visas mean absolutely nothing because the connection is we're all on this earth together. And I think you hit on it. Like this is a global event. This is a global experience. Now we're all having different experiences with it, but this global experience, um, you can't walk away from it. You, wherever you go, someone will understand what you're talking about, which is very different than before. That's what I was, we were, my husband and I were having this conversation, how it's almost, and not to be, not to be disrespectful, but this is the first time that we all have a common enemy. It's, it's not political. It's not religious. It's not, yeah. it's, we all have, we're all in this together and it's the enemy is something that we all have to fight together. Yeah. And that's never happened before. I, you're right. It's never happened before. You know, there's, there's been events where we've all gathered together to have an enemy, but we've never had this common. That's a really good observation. You know, you told me a story before we hopped on to record and, and I'm going to bring it up if you don't mind talking about it, but you talked about, we were talking about our experiences coming through, you know, this, our own personal experiences of what it's like to be um, going through this pandemic and seclusion. And you talked about when you were 30 years old um, and you got chicken pox. Uh, <laughs> would you mind telling that story? And kind of, because I think there's, there was just so much beauty and an understanding about this experience and how it relates to today. Would you mind sharing that story? <laughs> sure. Um, when I was 30 years old, I was actually taking a little trip with my friends and just got really, really sick and didn't understand what was going on. So we were in this tiny town in Southern Indiana. We ended up in the emergency room and I was diagnosed with the chicken pox and it was my 30th birthday and having a childhood disease on your 30th birthday is not what you want. So um, I always find it interesting. I've always wanted to be you know, independent and free and moved out as soon as I could. But when I had chicken pox, they dropped me off at my mom and dad's house where my mom took care of me and I was cocooned and it would kind of go back to the basics Sure. and you want to be taken care of no matter how independent you are. And while I was at home, my best childhood friend sent me a book called The Sabbath. And the idea in the book is that we don't, we don't really embrace what a Sabbath is supposed to be, which is a time of quiet and reflection and the role it plays in nourishing our souls and nourishing our brains and our creativity. We just think of Sundays or whatever day your Sabbath is as a day to get other things done, other errands. It's, a, it's a, you know, without school, it's running to soccer games. So as I read that book, the idea, it sort of reminded, the book, so the premise of the book was that we are in today's day and age. It's only when we're forced to stop do we take that time to, to take, a, take sort of inventory of our soul, of our heart, of our dreams, what we're doing. And I did. I, I fully embraced it. And I used that time to rethink my life. I ended up quitting my job and um, going out and trying something new, taking that chance. And wow. that's something that I wish we could almost be built into our lives a little bit more. Sure. You know, academics do it. They get, a, they get sabbaticals, right? They get sabbaticals for six months or three months where they're supposed to just go and think and create and nurture ideas. And gosh, wouldn't it be great if we all had sabbaticals built into our careers? Oh, that'd be amazing. 
that would be, think how, think how the organizations would benefit from all of that too. I mean, it wouldn't be just that person, but everyone would benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be an inspiring way to live life, wouldn't it? I'm hoping people are doing that today. Uh, I, and I think, I suspect we're going to have some amazing stories coming out of this experience. We, you know, with the storytelling show, we've had people come and say, I want to share stories. And we've sort of put them on pause and said, you're in the middle of the story right now. We really need to be on the other side because you need that time, that distance, that reflection that only comes from being on the other side of this. So once we do, there's going to be some amazing stories. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I have an interesting question for you. Um, So what makes you get up in the morning and want to take on the day what what's where's the fire in your belly come from you know you and I talked about this as well I really get it from other people and if I hearing people's stories hearing other people's energies it gets me excited it gets me it gets my juices going and gets my creativity going and without that being a silo I just think would be so lonely and so the astronaut when they see everything and they see all these possibilities right. it's just it, it you see the, the world literally the world of possibilities and so many of us put ourselves into little silos and when you're in a silo you're just seeing the same thing everywhere so what gets me going in the morning would be every single person is another world is another universe of ideas and thoughts and it's fascinating why they do what they do and and how they see everything it's just yeah. if it's different than yourself it's another it's a gift that they're giving you absolutely so how ha- you know this this whole people tree experience and obviously your life is all about like sharing stories and hearing stories and um, appreciating the gift of the story how has this whole process of engaging with people to tell their soul-filled stories changed you? You know, it makes me see my life. Mm -hmm. I can see the little, like every day when something happens, you, I've realized those stories come in two different, two different um, sources. There's always those big events that are the big stories. And those are pretty obvious. Like there's this big event and it's a big story. What I've started to find is um, seeing my life in the small moments and the small moments have, have symbolism or their value. And sometimes the small moments kind of link together over months, years, weeks, and then that's the story. And that's the lesson. And you realize that, Oh, I see the pattern now. And it's almost like a meditation where you have to reflect. So looking back at, Oh, I'm seeing the pattern now. You have to have that space shuttle view of your life sometimes and see where the patterns are that you can see when you're right there in the middle of it, living it. And so I think I see those moments differently now. And I think being, and then I think the second big thing is, is is sharing that, sharing that with my family, with my children and talking about it. And I think a lot of people from what I found who have been storytellers, they never thought they would do it. They never thought they'd get up on a stage and talk about something incredibly personal. Sure. But what they found, one woman was just telling me this weekend, she told a story about being abused, physically abused in a relationship and how she had to escape that. And when she shared that story, she had, she's had at least 
three people right after that show reach out to her and say they connected to it. They either, there was something that they sort of had to ask her some tough questions like what finally was the last step for you that you had to leave. And it's a, wow, that, that's huge. A story is not just a story. It can change other people's lives. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of courage to be that vulnerable um, on stage to, um, to share with that many people as well. It takes a lot of courage and, um, um, you know, desire to heal. I think one of the things that I heard you say that was really interesting is that we don't think about is <clears throat> telling the story um, is in its own form of meditation, right? And, and I think that's a really good way to look at storytelling is it's not just about the story, but it's really getting into meditation. You're supposed to go deep, listen to your, your heart, listen to your soul, listen to your um, emotions. You're supposed to listen to all that and, and let it go and be, you know, allow yourself to free and flow. What a great way to look at storytelling. That's a really interesting concept, Raj. I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, I do think, um, it's you know we talk, we've talked about this a little bit, but storytelling to me is it's not just the person sharing the story, but it's also the listener. Yeah. And what I found for myself is the next day after a show, after one of our shows, the next morning, if I'm meditating, I feel like that's the it's the exact opposite. So the words are important, but the silence. Yeah. And silence is when you take those stories and you process and you absorb, you need that. You can't just keep talking. You need the silence. And it's almost like they're, they're two sides of the same coin and you need both for it to be an enriching experience. Sure. And I definitely, um, the, yeah, I, I'm fascinated with the idea of silence uh, and the role it plays in storytelling and receiving. Yeah. That's yeah. Another, another good, really way to, another, really powerful way to look at that as well as just not the story, but the processing of the story and thinking it through. Um, so we were talking a little bit again before we jumped on the call um, about our experiences right now. And, and we asked you, and you asked me like, are you feeling fear? And I said, no, not really. And I asked you, are you feeling fear? And you're like, no, not really. Um, and, but everyone's having a different experience with this seclusion and pandemic. And and the the experiences are just like like for people who are really fearful i have trouble really relating to the fear i empathize with it i can understand it but i can't feel it at all um, what are some things do you think that storytelling will do um, as people go through this experience or at the end of this experience to help others heal so to help um, here, heal some of the effects of the fear, the effects of the anxiety. How will storytelling play out in that? You know, we had a gentleman who told a story about um, extreme anxiety, anxiety to the effect to the um, to the point where he, I think it's called involuntary suicide. He, last December, he ended up in the hospital and oh. then in a in a ward where they had to take everything away, including his shoestrings. Oh. And when he shared that story of what it took to get him to that place, it was something that most of us probably couldn't relate to because some of them, we just think of them as our everyday things, but 
right. he was able to share how his entire life, and I think it was beautifully the way he did it. He said, it's like, he's like, can I swear? Yes, I can swear. He said, it's like this little green asshole that's just next to him every <laughs> single day. Sometimes he shoves him behind him, but sometimes that little little monster, that little asshole is out there going, you know, like circling around him and dancing and bothering and distracting and impacting the quality of his life. And wow. every now and then he has to kick it, but it's there. And it's sometimes it's singing and dancing louder than everyone else around him, that it drowns everything else out. And it was just a way for us. That's something that so many of us couldn't relate to, wow. but the way, but he was able to tell a story in a way that sure. created something that we could all imagine. We could imagine that yeah. beast around him all of the time and, right. and how it would be difficult to be able to find peace and maybe wow. want to escape from that peace in any way he could or from that chaos to sure. find peace. But the other thing I think um, that we tell our storytellers is sometimes someone might not be able to relate to you directly, yeah. but if you tell a story in a particular way, you're going to be able to take a piece of that story and somehow connect it to your own life, to your own humanity, to your own something that's happened to you. Maybe not that thing, but, but it reminds you of something else. And sure. it still creates those, like the little threads that connect us all and our stories together. Sure. And you never, again, you never know who's listening and what they're hearing. Right. So when you, you and I met, a few months back over coffee when we could actually sit next to each other and have yes. a conversation yes. um, long for that day again. We'll do that again someday. Absolutely. Um, and we were taught and I told you a story about um, my first marathon experience with my daughter. And what's interesting is that you said, Oh, that's the story right there. And I'm like, what? That, that's just a story. But you said, no, that's a, the story. That's a story to tell. And, and I never really thought of that being the story to tell. And, and you saw it from a whole different lens than I saw it, obviously, because I'm in it and you're looking, you're listening to it. What advice would you have for people when they're looking at their lives to help them understand that the stories matter or how, or how to choose a story to talk about if they want to share a story? Because we look at our, our stories and, you know, people say, well, I don't have anything interesting about me. Like, there's nothing interesting about me. And you start talking to them. And I think folks like you and I are like, you're fascinating. What do you mean? That's a fascinating story. How do you help people understand or how can they identify those stories for themselves? You know, one of the things that we struggle with a little bit sometimes is what's the difference between a, an anecdote and a story. Mm -hmm. Anecdotes are fun, little things that happen, little vignettes in our lives. Sure. And a story, to me, at least for our purposes, it's, it's something that changes you. It has to be where you are one thing one day, and then this experience has changed you. And not the world, but you. How have you changed? Whether you have grown as a person, you've survived, your relationship has changed, something happens. And so as you think through that, you think of those transformative moments in your life. And that is usually, there's always a story. It's like the, the classic story tale where the hero starts here and ends up here. And there's a lot of in-between adventures or things that have happened. They could be physical adventures. It could be mental adventures, but just things that change. Sure. And I think that's the way to look at it is who were you then? And then who are you now? And what happened? That's, a, that's I think, probably the best 
uh, description of identifying a powerful story I've, I've ever heard is just really looking at the beginning, the end, um, and how you've changed through that experience. And that experience doesn't have to be a one day. It can be a week or a year or five years, or it can be um, minutes, right? It can yeah. be minutes that any of those things can happen, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's so where meditation could help. Absolutely. So how can you, how can we help um, inspire people today? So there are people kind of all over the place and, um, you know, maybe feeling really different things. And what can we do as humans to help inspire others, do you think? I think a lot of people tend to be nervous and afraid of failure and not afraid to look ridiculous, look foolish, be vulnerable. And hopefully what we're giving people is a platform, whether it's a stage or it's a book, it's, it's maybe it's embracing what they're creating and what they're building. And people need, I think what a lot of us lack is the confidence to say, this is worthwhile. This is something that has value, mm -hmm. even if it's just to one other person. Sure. And being able to validate other people's dreams, sometimes it's just what they need. It's like, I like what you're doing with this. This is great. Do more of this. Or, you know, like you can do this. And, if, and we will fail. We all fail. Sure. But taking that failure as part of the story, because it's not a story until you've had those little misadventures. And then you have the big tail at the end. But, as far, but I think it's really trusting and believing in other people and letting them know that sure. and then if you're able to help in some way whether it's through a hug a word of advice whatever it is a, a virtual hug yes, <laughs> a virtual a hug today <laughs> absolutely <laughs> don't touch me yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i can't imagine <laughs> like shaking hands is that going to change it's like yeah, yeah we're all like i think so i think so yeah yeah so is that i think i I do feel like fear holds a lot of people back yeah. and you can't take away people's fears, but you can kind of bolster them a bit more and help them validate themselves. You can't validate them, but you can help them validate themselves. Well, and I, and I also heard you say through all this too, is that for people to realize that they truly matter. Um, I mean, when you kept, when you kept speaking, I'm like, yes, they matter, they matter, they matter. Cause I think often people feel insignificant and especially in a world of social media, which we talk a lot about, is where we see a lot of wonderful stories on social media. Um, I think social media shifted a little bit too, where it used to be always presenting your best day. So maybe Thursday night at five was the, you know, you put out there that you just had the most amazing fun time, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday really sucked. But yes. you don't talk about that on social media. Um, you only talk about Thursday and you take 20 pictures and you pick the perfect picture and put it out there. Um, yes. But these days, almost, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking now we see a lot more people putting out um, how they're really feeling, what life is really like. And it seems to be much more um, heartfelt as opposed to perfection, um, which is an interesting shift. Um, mm -hmm. Are you seeing that also? 
I think so. Do you know, yeah. one of the things that people, if they want to engage, and just think of this on a human level, when we see a beautiful picture or someone's post about what a lovely meal their, you know, their beloved cooked, we'll look, like it and love it. But the ones that always have the most comments, the ones yeah. that people actually engage with, are when you say Tuesday morning, this happened, the jar of jelly fell down and... <laughs> You know, and then the kids and then the dog ate all the jelly. You know, those are the stories that people, the imperfections are what get people engaged right. because they're like, yes, I know. Or they'll laugh or they'll empathize. Everyone loves a pretty picture, but we, we connect on that level yeah. when someone's honest and real. You know, I think that's absolutely true. People do connect with the fact that we're not all perfect, but there's this perception for a long time that that's been held is that you have to show only your perfect self. Um, which I think has been a lot of pressure on youth um, to think that they have to be that way when that's not real life at all. Um, there's an interesting group that started, someone tagged me on Facebook, I just want to share, in, and this came to mind as you were speaking. I think it's called like out my, um, view out my window. And people from all over the world are just taking their camera and like looking out the window and taking a snapshot and putting it on um, on this group and it's fascinating because the engagement on that group is extremely high and there's images from all over the world from city to country to beautiful to not so beautiful but it's almost bringing this like wow we truly are like I, where i'm sitting in my apartment in in brooklyn and all i see is another build you know another window or building out my window um I matter, you know, I matter enough to, like I'm living here and it's giving me a real different sense of the world um, in a really interesting way. And it's almost its own form of storytelling. It really is. Visual storytelling is something that we haven't explored that much, but we want yeah. to. One yeah. of my co-founders is a photographer and she used to do all of her photography until she moved away. But that is something that has a richness. Um, the still image is, Right. I, I, I'm not even sure where to go with this yet, but I, I, that's something that we want to explore and have people submit stories through just a flat two-dimensional medium because yeah. it does tell its own story. And sometimes it's interesting because you can project your own story onto it yeah. as well. What you see is might not be what, what I see and someone right. else, but I, I do love that, that page though. I've just got introduced to it and yeah. it's, um, it's mesmerizing. Isn't it? It's absolutely like it's joyful in so many ways. And just by posting that very simple picture, it's just joyful. Absolutely. So, so what, a, you know, if, if you had like a neighbor come to you and say, you know, Rich, I'm just like, I just don't know what to do. So like, I'm in a funk. Um, you know, you're an aspiring person. What would you do to, would you tell them? So I've been seeing that a lot on Facebook. I've never seen that before where people are saying, I'm hurting. This is tough. I'm in a bad place. And I've never seen that before. Yeah. And so I guess the question would be, is it today or is it hopefully, you know, just a few weeks from now? But what I, but if it's today, what I'm seeing on Facebook and just from my own circle of friends and the number of people who are saying that, I think it's actually kind of, it's amazing in some ways yeah. because we feel like we can see it right now. It's okay. Where um, other times people would have been like, sunshine, go take a walk. It's okay. Um, but now we're sort of validating like, yeah, it's kind of, 
kind of blows right now and it's um, you know it's a hug you know I'll, can I bring you something can I bring you toilet paper to something can I do something for you and I'm hearing that a lot more and I'm seeing it I'm literally seeing it happening so much more and will it help them out of their funk maybe not but it makes them feel not alone and that I think is a big part of it sure. today um, if it's not in this quarantine time um, and if it was like let's say a few months from now and they're in a funk sometimes what you have to do is get out of your and this isn't sometimes you have to get out of yourself out of your own head out of your own place yeah. And put and immerse yourself into something else yeah. or someone else or another situation. And if, if it was one of my neighbors, I'd probably say, let's go see a movie. Let's go get some coffee. Let's go see a play. Let's go volunteer somewhere together and do something that takes you outside of yourself. And hopefully when you do that, when you come home that night and you are by yourself again, but you're changed. The experience sure. has changed you. The companionship has changed you a little bit until the next day. And then hopefully you can keep that going. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I believe that there's going to be some people who are going to jump out of this and just, you know, go and, you know, for myself, I've been accelerating a lot of things that I'm doing because that's what I want to do. And, but I think there's others that are going to have a lot of psychological and emotional damage um, from yes. this. And um, I think you're right. It, it's just going to be a matter of having compassion and empathy um, and care, show care for them um, so they can, um, as you said, get out of their own heads and, and start moving forward. But I think it's going to be, there's going to be those that can and those that absolutely just struggle with it. And neither is good nor bad. It's just where they're at. So kindness is going to have um, a, get, a big component of healing, I think, for a long time. Yeah. Kindness. It's almost like it needs to be one of the values that we teach our kids yeah. and we talk about being nice. We talk about being polite. Kindness is its own. It's its own value. It's its own. Um, it can be a verb. And right. I think teaching that to ourselves and to each other, living that can go a long way to making life just a little bit easier for all of us. It can. And it's just, you know, I, I've got, I always talk about the 26 acts of kindness and um, yes. I have a good friend of mine um, who passed away in January from ovarian cancer. And, you know, it wasn't until that she passed um, that I realized she, she was from Sandy Hook um, where they had that terrible tragedy um, where the young children were killed and the teachers. And it was just, it was a terrible, terrible tragedy. And she was, and they took that there's 26 souls lost that day. And they took that and she ran 26 races in honor of each person that, um, that lost their lives that day. So um, she found something about that person, whether they like to ride horses, then she found a race that had a horseshoe at the end or, but in some way to honor them. But what came out of that tragedy, which I found fascinating and loving in so many ways is they had this movement called 26 acts, act of, acts of kindness so that within a year you do 26 acts of kindness um, find something to do whether it's buying a coffee or you know picking up litter or saying hello to a neighborhood or or a neighbor or you know petting a dog or whatever it is it could be big or small but find 26 ways um, 
to provide kindness to someone else. Mm -hmm. And, and, and now that even has more meaning with everything that's going on. It's just, it's just even more important than ever to find in your hearts to have and show kindness for others. Absolutely. You know, you created those coins and the coins are, they're the most amazing thing. Thank you. Because when we first, when I first got one and that you were kind enough to, to start, um, you gave us one and my Claire, my co-founder turned to me and she gave me, she, she said, I don't have to think about this. And she just handed it to me and with such kindness and such, it it was a very emotional moment and I couldn't turn around and just give her one back. So, so instead I've taken that, I took the other coin and I gave it to one of the emergency room nurses here at Edward who's working and it's, making its way to she passed it on to somebody else and it's making its way that one coin and it's you're like making my heart just feel like so much love right now thank you for sharing that well i i just think that is such a a it's a reminder it's a b it's a physical thing it's a tangible thing you can hand someone and when you hand it to them you usually say something and we don't do that right um we don't often think kindness with kindness or with thankfulness. And it's a little bit of, um, it's just, it's a beautiful, super private, almost, I'm just like, I don't say it's a private ceremony, but it, it yeah. feels like it, right? That one moment right. when you're doing that, it's not a transaction. It's a gift and it's a receipt yeah. and it's recognition and it's beautiful. So thank you for doing that because oh I think kindness is something that we don't, we don't talk about as much as we should and we don't exercise it as much as we should. And, I, my daughter saw the coin and said, I want one. And I said, well, you, I haven't given it to her yet. Because, well, we'll, get, we'll get you, we'll get you some more to, to share. Um, you, can, you know, and you, and thank you for bringing that up because that, when you talk about doing things that you have a passion for or things that, you know, I, that has been on my mind, do that coin for years. And I finally just said, do it. Like, why are you waiting? It, it's whatever you do will be perfect for you. And I was always like making it perfect graphic, the perfect, I'm like, this is silly. So, um, you know, the sun has the, the sun rising has a lot of meaning for me. And so it has a sunburst on it and it has stars on it. So the sun and the stars and that whole element of gratitude, like you said, handing it to someone, there is something very emotional about that. And it's that, it's that, you're right. It's like a, it's like a presentation. It's like a, like a private moment. Um, so thank you for sharing that because, you know, you never know where these things go, but I love to hear the fact that it's being shared um, around and that people are uh, recognize the, what that really meant. So uh, when you told me that I realized people get it, they get it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Rachna, what haven't we talked about today that you think um, is important to share with the people watching or listening? You know, reflection. Reflection is something that we don't do. Reflection, we did touch on it, but I think it's something that sort of I'm thinking about more and more Mm -hmm. where 
we talked about this again before, but we're such an active culture and society. We're always striving for more and better and it's forward. We're like, yes, up. And what we don't do is turn back and look at where we've been, where we're coming from, that reflection. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we, using this time as maybe a jumping off point, just bring more reflection into our world and a little bit more reflection into our lives, a little bit more grace with the mistakes we've made and forgive other people with their, their issues and their things. So that, you know, um, and that, uh, just to add on to that, the word yeah. kindness, I think is beautiful. And I have a similar word in my life that I've always loved. It's my favorite word in the English language. And that's cherish. I love the word cherish. I think there's, it's love and it's appreciation and it's, I, I just love that word. So more, more of that. So kindness and cherish what you have, cherish what you can be. That's my word. And I want to add that to your kindness. Love it. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Rasha is always, you know, in the short time I've known you, I've just grown to absolutely adore you and just appreciate you so much um, because it's, it's just wonderful to see someone who's thinking really deep about um, connection and community and, um, you know, bringing people together in such an amazing way. So thank you for sharing with us today. If someone wanted to get in touch with you or to learn more about the people tree, how would they do that? Thank you. It's um, our website is thepeopletree.org. And then our email is thepeopletree at outlook.com. And it's, uh, you can email us at that, our website, just reach out. And we love, uh, the other thing we do is on our website, if you have an idea for a story, we do have a submissions tab. So okay. um, just fill it out and we'll be happy to take a look and get back in touch with people. Sounds fantastic. And thank you really for being with us today. And um, I think that by someone who needs to hear, you know, a positive message and, and how they can uh, get through this difficult time, um, they'll be the ones listening in for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for creating all these platforms for us. You've had amazing events and this is just one more beautiful, <laughs> beautiful gift you're creating for us. All right. Thank you so much, Raj. I really thank appreciate you. that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hold on.